0: This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I stepped forward as my heart pounded in my chest. I called out if anything was there, not expecting anything, but still hopeful.
2: I see what I think is a large silhouette, and as I get closer and my eyes adjust, I see Keenan hanging from the ceiling fan.
3: I'm surprised she could even understand what I was saying through my terrified sobs. She tells me to get dressed as fast as possible and get the fuck out of the house.
0: From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed.
4: This episode is sponsored by Wondery's Generation Y podcast, where hosts Justin and Aaron dig deep for answers on crime and unsolved murder cases, breaking down theories, looking at forensic evidence, and discuss their opinions on the most perplexing cases. Listen to Wondery's The Generation Y podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. Today, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales and a listener voicemail that will show you how real things can get. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an email submission from Hannah, featuring voice work by Danuta Marie, and we try to reconcile the experiences in the house.
1: I've been deciding for some time now whether to share this, but I've been listening to Disturbed for quite some time, and I love the podcast. After thinking about it for a couple weeks, I've decided to share my experiences. For starters, my name is Hannah, and this story happened to me about 10 years ago when I was 11. My family consists of my parents, my older sister, and then my younger sister. We moved into an old farmhouse in 2011. When I say old, I mean this house was built before the Civil War type of old. It has wood floors and creeks at night. I have always been a horror fan, as has my older sister, who we'll call Tanya. My younger sister, I'll call Rachel, has always hated horror and anything scary. So you can imagine the pranks Tanya and I pulled on her. I promise, this is relevant to the story. Upon moving into this house, I have always felt weird being here. It feels like there is a heavy weight about it. Many times, we will hear footsteps when no one is there, or we will hear banging on walls when no one is around. Furthermore, Rachel had a toy yanked out of her hand by some invisible force. My parents never believed us about the things we were experiencing. This went on for the first year we moved into the house— In the unfinished basement of our house, there are four rooms. The first is filled with boxes. The second holds the water heater and such. The third has gravel on the floor instead of dirt. And the fourth room is to the left of the third, also with gravel flooring. This is important to note. There is a half-broken stone wall between the second and third room with black writing and symbols on it. Also there's an old wooden door with carvings on the front and sides that was left by the old homeowners. The basement made me feel very uncomfortable, and I felt like I was being watched when I went down there. My dog wouldn't even go down there. One day during the summer, while both my parents were at work, I was watching the show Ghost Adventures with Tanya, and we decided to see if we could evoke a response from something in our house since we all knew something wasn't right. Rachel agreed to participate with us on the stipulation that we wouldn't purposely scare her. We agreed and locked our dogs up so nothing would intervene or cause us to hear something that was caused by our dogs. Now, we are the only three home and no one else is due home for several hours. We grabbed Tanya's camera to record, one flashlight, and open the door to our cellar. We keep all the lights off and stumbled down the stairs into the first room. It is completely pitch black, and we can't even see our hands in front of our faces, until I turn the flashlight on. Rachel hides behind Tanya, who hides behind me, even though she was 17 at the time. I stepped forward as my heart pounded in my chest. I called out if anything was there, not expecting anything, but still hopeful. We waited. Nothing. Hearts beating, breathing scarce. Still, nothing. Suddenly, there was shuffling along the gravel floor in the third room. Everything inside my body stopped as I shined the flashlight into the room, trying to see something. Rachel grabbed my arm and hissed, Stop messing around! I didn't even turn my head to look at her, but instead whispered back, Rachel, that's not me! I haven't moved! I stepped forward and called out timidly, Hello? The shuffling stopped. I thought I had imagined it, But then, why did Rachel hear it, too? I leaned against the cool brick wall and struggled to peer into the room, trying to see if I could spot something, anything. I was afraid to move forward just in case there was something. Then, I heard a whizzing sound, like something flying through the air. A large brick landed at my feet in the dirt. I stumbled backwards when suddenly there was loud, quick shuffling coming towards us at a rapid pace. I moved my flashlight around, rapidly trying to spot what moved while backing up hastily into my sister's. We basically trampled each other as we struggled to get back up the stairs and slam the door shut. My heart was racing, and Rachel was crying. She was convinced we did this all to scare her, but Tanya's face was white, and I knew I looked similar. Then, I remembered the camera. I grabbed it and opened the video we had taken. All three of us studied it when something came across the screen that made my blood turn to ice. Walking through the doorframe of our third room was a white figure. It looked like it was made of mist. The brick was even seen flying from that room towards us. Rachel cried louder and told us to turn it off. I was terrified. That evening, Rachel told our mom and she made us delete the video, telling us to stop scaring our sensitive younger sister. There have been many other experiences in this house I have been through, such as a tall, dark figure standing in the corner of my room or hearing running steps throughout the house. I refuse to go down into the cellar without my dad or someone else. I am 21 now, and my family still lives in the house, and I stay here when I'm not at college. There are still mysterious happenings in this house. Recently, I found out that a girl died in this house and there is not much known about the other children who used to live here. Even at 21, I still find it difficult to sleep at night in this house. There are old photos of the children in the cellar and the black writing on the walls won't go away. I look forward to the day I can move out when I won't live in a house where a little girl mysteriously died.
0: Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you.
4: Next up, we check in with Reddit user Slum421, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford, and we gain a new habit.
2: From when I was about 11 to 14 years old, I had a best friend named Spencer. Spencer had a decent-sized family and a big house. We hung out practically non-stop outside of school. He was homeschooled and I was in public school, and during the summer I practically lived at their house. Spencer had an older brother named Keenan. Keenan was about five years older than him, and I thought he hung the moon. He was so cool. He listened to great music and played guitar, and I always wanted to be around him. One summer when I was 13, Keenan went to summer camp. He was supposed to visit the Grand Canyon and and go kayaking and do a ton of fun stuff. We were jealous. It was weird not having him around all the time since I basically stayed at their house the entire time. Finally, the day came where Spencer's dad was supposed to go to the airport to pick Keenan up. He was super stoked to hear all about camp. So his dad drove up and we ran downstairs to greet them, and we didn't see Keenan. His dad had tears running down his face, and he exclaimed, He didn't make it, he didn't make it, you guys. My heart dropped into my stomach and I started to panic. Then Keenan walked up right behind him and they both started laughing. It was a huge dick move. Anyway, we helped him unload his luggage and stayed up until midnight talking about his summer. He had so much to say. He said he had the time of his life and told us all about how he almost went overboard while water rafting and how he surely would have drowned if he did. As two 13-year-old boys, we were enamored by Keenan and everything he did. We talked about how Spencer and I were going to go to the same camp once we turned 18. It had been a long day and it was time for all of us to go to bed. Keenan told us he would tell us more in the morning when we woke up. I had fallen asleep and awoken in a cold sweat because of a nightmare I had. In my dream, Spencer and I went about our entire day just as we had before except when their dad showed up and joked about Keenan dying on his trip. He actually did die. This is practically my idol and the dream was so vivid. I needed to go get some water just to calm myself down afterwards. I checked my phone before I headed to the kitchen and it was 3.30am. The house was so dark and I had to tiptoe to be quiet and make sure not to wake anyone up. As I walked through the den on my way to the kitchen, I see the moonlight spilling into the living room the only light in the house. I see what I think is a large silhouette, and as I get closer and my eyes adjust, I see Keenan hanging from the ceiling fan. I freak out and run across the room in a dead sprint and turn on the light to see if my eyes were deceiving me. It was him, except he was sleeping and standing in the middle of the room underneath the fan with one of his arms raised straight up over his head. I never knew Keenan to sleepwalk before, and luckily he snapped out of it before I tried to wake him off. He looked at me super confused, looked around and noticed where he was and said, ''Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you guys, I guess I developed a bit of a sleepwalking habit at camp.'' Huh.
0: Want to listen to Disturbed ad-free? Of course you do. Go to disturbedpodcast.com slash support to get your access today.
4: Disturbed is brought to you by the Generation Y Podcast. Now this is a podcast that I've really been getting into during the pandemic and for good reason. Hosts Justin and Aaron do such a fantastic job digging deep for answers to cases of true crime and unsolved murders. Now, what I believe that really sets them apart is their attention to detail. A lot of podcasts out there you listen to will just read off a Wikipedia page about a murder case, and that may be fine for some, but real true crime fans want the important details and all the facts. In addition to that, Justin and Aaron give their own perspectives, and aren't afraid to say what they really think. They also ask the hard questions and take different perspectives that the listener will really appreciate. Take for instance the case of Laurie DuPont. This is one I just finished listening to and it absolutely infuriated me. Lori was a well respected 37 year old nurse and single mother. She would go on to meet a physician named Mark Daniel at the hospital where they both worked. The two of them would hit it off and begin a secret relationship because Mark was still technically married. But after not too long, the romance cooled and Mark would start harassing Lori at the hospital. As it turned out, Mark had a history of dating and being abusive towards nurses. Lori would file a restraining order, but before a judge could issue it, Mark would enter the hospital with a military sword and commit an unthinkable crime. And I cannot even begin to tell you how upsetting this is because of all the avoidable failures along the way. Time and time again, the hospital and people in charge of keeping a safe work environment would fail Lori. The way this episode is presented is really well done and walks you through everything Lori had to go through. It's honestly a must-listen episode. Listen to Wondery's The Generation Y Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.
1: killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows.
5: 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing. She'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity, but to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series,
2: and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared.
3: I'm assuming
4: Siri has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth.
5: That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story,
6: Conning the Con.
0: Now back to the deliciously frightful Disturbed Podcast with your host,
4: Chad. Up next is an email submission from Hannah featuring voice work by Marianna Bradford, and we just might need a little more home security.
3: I was a junior in high school at the time, 16, 17-year-old, typical rebellious teen with an older 18-year-old's boyfriend who had his own apartment. Now, as any teen girl would, I lied to my parents on a regular basis, telling them I'd be sleeping at a friend's house when really I was staying at my boyfriend's. I'm sure they knew that, but that's beside the point. Now, one day I came home from my boyfriend's, and I think it must have been a Saturday because I didn't have school that day. I opened the side door that would lead into my parents' garage. Now, something to say about my parents' house is that there was multiple cars in the driveway at any given time my mom's, my dad's, my brother's, mine, and an SUV my dad used for hunting. Now when I entered the garage I saw BB gun pellets spilled all over the floor and at the time I just thought my brother made the mess and my dad was going to come home and be furious at him for leaving it there. So I go inside and then I don't give a second thought to the BB gun pellets. At the time my parents had three dogs, all small, very obvious when someone came into the house as all three would start barking at once. My room was right across the hall from the laundry room, the room that you walk into when you enter through the garage. I say hello to the dogs, go to the front of the house and let them all outside. When I entered my bedroom, I saw my bedroom window was slightly open and that my comforter was hanging haphazardly out of it. Again, I just assumed my brother had maybe snuck in through my window the night before. I pull the comforter in and shut the window. I go and let all the dogs in and go back to my parents' master bedroom in the back of the house to take a shower. Take my shower and as I go back into my room to get dressed, I open my underwear drawer to find it completely empty. No underwear. No bras. No bathing suits. Nothing. All of the blood drains from my body and I suddenly realize there's something very, very wrong here. I immediately call my mom in hysterics. I'm surprised she could even understand what I was saying through my terrified sobs. She tells me to get dressed as fast as possible and get the fuck out of the house. My mom calls 911 and her best friend who could get to my house faster than my mom could from work. So here I am, cold, wet and trembling outside my house when my mom's best friend and the sheriff show up. I hug my mom's friend and wouldn't let her let me go until my mom got there. The sheriff goes in, guns drawn, and clears the house. He asks me the typical questions, do you know why anyone would do this, do you have any upset ex-boyfriends, etc. I of course tell him, no, and that is pretty much the end of it. My mom takes me to get new bras and underwear that night and lets me stay the night at my boyfriend's apartment just to feel safe. Fast forward two weeks later and another girl down the street from my house has the same thing happen to her someone broke in and stole all our underwear too. Two more weeks go by, and a girl that lives off of a rural road, the kind that you would really need to know where you are going to get to, and the same thing, underwear stolen, along with some jewelry. Come to find out, this asshole's father finds the jewelry and calls the cops to report it. As they're investigating, he admits that he broke into our homes and stole all of our underwear. They go to his mother's home, which, mind you, is three doors down from my house, and they find all the underwear in a duffel bag, which means that this guy was watching my house to see who drove what car and when the best time would be to execute this plan. Mind you, my father is an avid hunter and a butcher by trade. I can't imagine what would have happened if this man broke in while we were home, or what could have happened to me if I were home alone when this happened. From what the police told my family, he had a drug dealer at the time request for women's underwear as payment for drugs. Yeah, you got that right. Used women's underwear for drugs. The cops asked if we wanted our stuff back uh, and learned quickly that all three of us wanted nothing to do with any of that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he did go to jail for this. So, needless to say... I'm a little uneasy now as an adult being home alone. I check every window, every door, look under every bed, and check behind every shower curtain.
0: Are you loving this show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body.
4: Now up next is a listener submission from Kira via the hotline at disturbedpodcast.com slash hotline, free and available to all listeners. And this one comes with a warning, containing descriptions of graphic domestic abuse. So if that's something you're sensitive to or just don't want to hear, you might want to skip ahead about four and a half minutes. But I believe it's an important experience to hear and could potentially help some listeners out there. So be warned, this one may be difficult to listen to, but carries a very important message. So Kira, take it away.
5: I've been a listener for quite a while and really like your show. I don't really know if I count because it wasn't so much creepy of a story, but it was scary for me. And I mean like date lighting type stuff, like Keith Morrison should have popped out of the corner. I was in an abusive relationship for three years, and I mean physically abusive along with others, of course, but the physical was extreme. He would strangle me, break my ribs, break my nose, whip me with a cord, cut my leg open, um, burn me with a lighter, that kind of stuff, for three years. There's two events that really stick out in my mind as terrifying. One of which I had literally just finished I Minds of Madness a true crime show and... I get a notification on my video camera, and it was my ex's car in my driveway. I come outside and I don't see him, I just see the car. And so I sit down to have a cigarette, and sure enough, he comes up to me and starts strangling me, pulled me into the house and brutally attacked me, almost killed me, and at one point, I was so tired of the torture that I, I begged for him to kill me. The other one that stands out is back in June. I had broken up with him, I was at a movie theater, and he said some things that made me think, okay, he's gonna break into my house. So I went home, and I didn't see him. I was out on the street, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people around in broad daylight, he puts me over his shoulder and starts dragging me to my house. I kicked him off, or me off I guess, but ran back to the street and he grabbed me again, dragged me to the stairs, up the stairs, got into my house, and then pulled me by my hair while beating me. I mean, my face, he was hitting my face, he was hitting my body, dragging me by my hair. I thought he was going to kill me. I thought to myself, if you are going to do this, I'm going to make sure you don't get away with it. And so I scratched his face as hard as I could. He spit on my face and rubbed it in. And then continued beating me until I told him that he was going to kill me. And for some reason, I don't know if he got tired or bored, but he kicked me two times, one in my side and one in my back, and left. Just like that police were gonna charge him with attempted murder, kidnapping, false imprisonment, and battery but they dropped the charges and yeah, I never really recovered from that. I looked like I had gotten into a car accident but now I try and share my story where I can to help other people who go through this kind of stuff feel understood, not so alone I guess. And I'm a strangulation expert at a domestic violence center, so I'll take the good. But there's no fear like looking at the person you love while they kill you.
4: A big thanks to Kira for sharing her story. And if you or someone you know is suffering from domestic abuse, help is available. You can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. And we finish up with an email submission from Cheyenne, featuring voice work by Nicole Doolin. And we learn the terrible truth. And as a trigger warning, this story contains mention of sexual abuse.
6: I live in a small town in Northeast Ohio, and this was back in 2017. I was 20 years old, and my daughter was about six months old at the time. Me, my daughter, and her father, my now ex, Had just moved into a new apartment. It was a big house that was cut into four apartments. There was a hallway both upstairs and downstairs that went from the back of the house to the front, that split the house right down the middle. There were also porches out back, upstairs and downstairs, and the upstairs had steps leading up to theirs. This is important, I promise. We moved in around April of 2017. We lived in the bottom left, the bottom right was empty, the top right had a woman, her fiancé, her two young daughters, ages seven and nine, and her youngest, a son, age five, and the top left apartment was an older man, who turned out to be the father of the man in the other upstairs apartment. Me, my boyfriend, and the guy that was living with his fiancé and her children all eventually introduced ourselves. He was a very friendly guy. His girlfriend was a little quiet, and the kids were always so friendly and loved coming out to see my daughter when I would have her in our small backyard playing or anything. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So in the mornings after I laid my daughter down for a nap, I would grab my coffee and baby monitor and we'd go in the upstairs hallway and smoke quick with my neighbor. The man, we will call him Mark. We would usually just have random conversations. Sometimes he would just say some weird and at times perverted things. But him or his fiancé didn't seem happy, and I thought he was just being a man. He was in his early to mid-30s. One day, Mark had told me that a pub he worked for was looking for some extra help. He was a bar back there, and the other bar back had just quit. So he was working seven nights a week. Long story short, I ended up getting a job there as another bar back. So the nights he didn't work, I did. One summer night, I can't remember how, but we both ended up having the night off and were supposed to go to our work and grab a quick drink. He kept trying to convince me to skip going out to the pub and that he had buddies not too far away where we could go and have a bonfire and get really messed up. I just kept telling him that was okay and I was really looking forward to going to the pub. I really liked all of my co-workers and the pub had great food, plus I just wanted to stay close to home in case my boyfriend at the time needed help with our daughter. But one of his fiance's kids weren't feeling well or something so he ended up cancelling. A couple of nights later he shows up at our back door and asks if we wanted to smoke real quick. Our daughter was down for bed so we said sure. He seemed upset and like he needed to talk. He told us about how his fiancée had took the kids and just up and left. We let him get it all out and comforted him, and he went home. A day or two later, my sister came over to see our new apartment and her niece. She wasn't there, but only for a few minutes before we heard a bunch of banging from upstairs. We stepped out front to see what was going on and saw the detective unit in hazmat suits, breaking down our upstairs neighbor's door. Yes, Mark and his fiancées. We saw them carrying out stuff from the apartment, and not soon after, my sister had to take off. Then my phone rang. It was my manager at the pub. She asked if there was any way I would be able to come in because Mark had just been arrested. I got ready and went into work. My first question, what the fuck's going on? My boss said there was a huge investigation going on, and all he can say is, quote, "'The bastard should hang.'" A couple weeks go by, and the story is finally out. He had been trying to buy roofies online, more than likely to use on his co-workers at the bar, myself included. My first thought went to the night we were supposed to go out drinking, and how he kept trying to get me to go out to his buddies. But when I declined, he ended up having to bail. But that wasn't all. And as a mother to a beautiful little girl, this breaks my heart to say, he had been raping his fiancé's two daughters, and possibly the son as well. He got 20 years in prison, 10 years for each of the poor girls. I thank God every day that I am a protective mother and never let him babysit my girl, like he also always used to offer. But one question that still haunts me, though, his fiancé was also a stay-at-home mom, and a rape victim from when she was younger. There's no way she didn't know, and I believe she should be in prison as well. But to the poor children, I am so sorry you had to go through everything you did, and I hope you are safe now. But to the mother, and especially Mark, I hope we never meet again.
0: Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod.
4: If you'd like to get your story on the show, you can find all submission options available at DisturbedPodcast.com. Share your thoughts on the show or your own experience through our hotline at DisturbedPodcast.com slash hotline. Free and available to all listeners. Disturbed is an independent production, funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com disturbedpodcast to support the show and learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters, Jill Harper, Manny Fergoso, Diane Rhodes, Jenny Simpson, and Leanne Bennett. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash Disturbed Podcast. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.